On the viewpoint. 21.06.20. That is the exact time. Thank you so much for the news there, Greg Host. A story which we're going straight into now as we lead towards the typical story on a Thursday being hashtag student night. This one isn't, but a sufficiently good cause nonetheless that merits our engagement. Hashtag 10 Rand Goes a Long Way, a campaign to raise funds for South African students. Access to quality education is vital, especially for people living in developing countries as education plays an important role in ultimately reducing poverty and in empowering of everybody in society for the development of that society. Of course, in response to ongoing student protests across the country, South African YouTuber Lassizwe Dambuza launched an initiative to help students who are struggling to access enough funds to keep attending university and has already raised in excess of a million rand in a milestone for the campaign. The hashtag 10 Rand Goes a Long Way initiative created alongside fellow influencers among others, Sibu Mabena, who has been on this platform, aims to raise funds for university students who have been refused access to register for the academic year as a result of historical debt. The initiative was launched on the 10th of March, and now we're sitting at something like 2 million rand. One of those influencers, Ms. Ayanda Mandombazanam Klongo, is on the line to talk to us about this marketing manager at MTV Base. Ayanda, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, how are you? Well, ma'am, how are you? I'm all good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This suddenly brew, grew more than you thought it would in the time it did. Be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we were, we are actually still quite shocked at the amount of money we've been able to raise, and it's actually exciting for us to announce that we still have brands reaching out to us and donating. We are sitting at 2 million rand now at an initiative that is less than a month old. These are just South Africans who were moved by the plight of many who look like them, who come from the same communities from which they come, who themselves might have had similar struggles and because of some interventions here and there were able to pull through. Now, how do we distribute this money knowing that the need is far greater than what we have? Of course, biki biki mark buyer. Definitely. Definitely. So, so from a distribution perspective, I mean, we raised 2 million rand in seven days. So far, we've been able to help 166 students register and actually go to school. And we've done this in collaboration with uh, Fundi Fund, as they have direct access to all the higher learning institutions. Currently, we are in talks with a couple of other additional brands who have actually reached out to us to donate more money we also have citizens texting us, sending us Instagram DMs in order to donate so we can help more students. So this has actually become an ongoing campaign, whereas we thought we would just raise money for seven days, help a few students, and move on. But because the plight of students who really want to go to school but are financially excluded is so big, our job is not done yet. The job is far from being done. To the extent that there are institutional arrangements that you would have to engage, what are those? Or is it purely the initiative itself together with some of the people who have established that, engaging directly with the students? I'm trying to understand the modalities of the communication because probably the one thing that could get the entire uh, campaign sort of 
deactivated or compromised is those channels not being properly communicated where certain expectations are established on the part of the recipient, but not going through the channel perhaps by which they would hope or would have been communicated to them. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing I do want to touch on is that the reason why, or personally, I believe this campaign has been so successful is actually because of how transparent we've been. From the first rand we raised until 2 million rand, we've been able to provide screenshots of bank details. But in addition to that, I just want to touch on how we were able to select the students, mm. contact the students, and make sure we actually pay the funds to the different varsities. We had a YouTube live stream where we announced and had a random draw of 156 students who had auditors who are with us uh, who confirmed every single student that has been selected using the random draw. What we then did was we had a web page that was set up by Fundi. People were able to, number one, upload their details. And the team at Fundi actually gave us uh, quite a big team that were able to verify each student's number, all their details, the fact that they really are registered, as well as how much is needed. So there were amounts varying between 5,000 rand and 10,000 rand that we were able to then pay so mm. that students could actually go to school the following week. We were able to confirm this by actually getting feedback from the various institutions. We currently have weekly statuses with the Fundi team to actually go over the different recipients who have been assisted, how far they are, and that they really are in school and actually benefiting from this uh, fundraising initiative. This sounds like the work of Nisras. <laughs> you have to indulge. Well, yeah. Is that it? <laughs> okay, let's leave it there. I don't want to compromise the work that was really good that has been done. But I think that is precisely the point. Yeah. where there is good governance, where there is a will to correct an obvious social abnormality or wrong or to plug holes in social gaps mm. it is enough for people to be committed to a cause something which NISFAS has not demonstrated I mean the fact that it even had to be under administration the fact that many South African universities over the course of time have had to go under administration for among other things embezzlement of funds designed to be going to students in need and a whole host of other problems which are far from just student-based challenges this has to then be the question, how do we, from the lessons we are taking from, hashtag 10 goes a long way, look to edify the problems in higher education and with NISFAS and other organs that are in the space of higher education? Yeah, I think the first thing that we were able to actually prove is that young people are able to come together. They're able to bring funds and collect funds in an appropriate way, distribute, audit, and report back on them. What this actually has shown is that we need a lot more young people in these positions. Mm. It's very difficult for us to be speaking to people that are over a certain age. Whereas what age is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> the, our grandparents that are over 60. And to speak to them about free, fair, equal education sometimes seems like something that is impossible or unattainable. But if we're able to raise 2 million rand from normal citizens in the country, mm. there's no reason why taxpayers' funds can't be used to fund education. Yeah, because I they, mean, everything yeah. you guys have done in just this one month, 
on the 9th of March, put it this way, there was absolutely not even the hashtag itself. Hashtag goes a long way. I mean, yeah. 10 Rand goes along. There wasn't even a hashtag. You still yeah. have don't, you still don't have the infrastructure other than Twitter, possibly WhatsApp groups from Correct. the administration perspective of things. And then literally you're developing IP as you go along because the IP is determined by the need. And then, which is more, you are in good faith engaging South Africans who are responding in good faith. I would imagine many South Africans, sure, there would have been one or two who take chances, as with any society, but the response has overwhelmingly, from what you have said, been people who genuinely need assistance, and mm. that assistance has been granted, and so the music continues to play, and so the student continues to get oneself an education. These are the kinds of experiences, the kind of IP you have been able to get out of this, precisely why you should go to Parliament and make representations before the Portfolio Committee on Higher Education as how mm. this initiative has got mm. so much right about it that can be exploited by the bureaucrats for the collective development of the student in the country. Final comments from you. Correct. I, I, I totally agree with it. And, and we definitely do want to take things to to the next level. Once again, like I said when I started, all of us that actually came together to form this campaign, Sivu, Takis, myself, La Cizre, all faced issues when it was time to go to Vasi. Sivu Mabena as a beneficiary of uh, a bursary fund. I, for example, my father had to sell his car for me to be able to go to university. And even then, I was only able to go for the first two years. La Cizre's mom unfortunately passed on while he was in high school and therefore we, he couldn't go to varsity. Now, the core of why we do what we do is because every single person, every single child that lives in this country deserves an education. You cannot compete in today's current economy without an education. And therefore, for there to be a fair or level playing field in the economy, in corporate South Africa, even in creators of Africa, education is needed. And that's really what our fight and our plight is about. And we are going to take this as far as we can possibly take it to make sure that not only do we raise awareness that education is important, but raise awareness that education is expensive and therefore many cannot access it, but also make sure that we create action. And we have days of Africans, sorry, we have average African citizens that are able to take part and help every single child go into school. The more we push to what we want, the more the government needs to then act and respond to what we need. And that's why we do what we do. Sharp. Very sharp, guys. Well done. Let's hope Blade is around. Thank you. Thank Let's you so hope much. So too. <laughs> Let's hope so too. Indeed, Ms. Ayanda Mando Bazanem Klong, a marketing manager at MTV Base. Hashtag Tenren goes a long way. Follow that hashtag on social media. Campaign to raise funds for South African students in less than a month. In excess of 2 million rand has been raised and sufficiently been distributed to get those students who are on the edges, who are on the trims of higher education back enrolled, more importantly, studying, developing and looking forward to contribute into the growth of this country. After the break, we continue with hashtag Student Night 2.0. The management of disability in post-school education remains fragmented and separate to the to that of the. Ex- I beg your pardon. The management of disability in post-school educations remain remains fragmented and separate to that of existing transformation and diversity programs at the institutional level. Technical and vocational education and training colleges 
in particular lack the capacity or even the policies to cater for students and staff with disabilities. This evening we are in con conversation with Mr. Mustafa Lassiti, Transport and Logistics graduate from Umfolozi Tivet College in KZN, together with Mr. Lutando Nagi at the same institution. They were born and raised in the Eastern Cape, Mdanzane specifically. Due to life's unfortunate events, they lost their sight in acquiring an education because became a mission, rather. They will share now their experiences of leaving their homes, leaving their provinces, their culture and language, to being in KZN at the Tivet College Umfolozi so that they could have their needs catered for needs, which in many respects are basic human rights. Mr. Lassiti, Mr. Naki, good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Good Let me start with you, um, Lutando. Let's just get some perspectives from you. Talk to us about your journey and your ultimately graduating from Umfolozi, where it all began and how you got there and the frustrations along the way. Thanks again, sir. The journey was very difficult. Uh, uh, moving away from home, knowing nobody where you going to. Um... And uh, being at an environment that you've never been before, uh, with a language that you are not familiar with, uh, it's very stressful. Uh, but uh, in a way, you have to adapt so that you can achieve whatever you're meant to achieve. Uh, but uh, living home, knowing for a fact that. Uh, you can also achieve uh, uh, whatever you want to achieve with institutions that are close by from home, uh, with uh, not working, parents not working, using your grant, spending so much money for a journey, and even where you are going, where the place that you are at, you have to spend much. Uh, so that you can be able to you can be able to survive because uh, you don't know uh, the, the the environment as I mentioned, mm. and uh, you have to ask uh, some fellow colleagues to assist you. Asking those colleagues, uh, some of them they will ask for money to assist you, so that you can uh, move around. Uh, so it, it's very, very stressful. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, let's have a conversation with you, Mr. Mustafa Lassiti. Your thoughts and your perspectives before we really get into understanding exactly what it is that could happen to change your experience from becoming the experience of another. Mustafa? Mr. Lassiti? Hello? So, yes, indeed, we are here, Mr. Lassiti. Your thoughts, please. Okay, Okay, so if I if I would start uh, sharing the the journey that uh, I've been through in the past three years, uh, actually, what uh, I'm actually uh, an albino guy who's totally blind, as Mr. Nagi indicated. I got to lose my eyesight way back in 2007 October in my metric year. I was schooling at Mizamo High School. Uh, in that particular year, I was doing grade 12 in that year. So I couldn't finish my metric due to uh, to the loss of eyesight as I've got albinism complications. I think I got blind due to retinal detachment, due to retinal detachment. Mm. So now I had to 
adjust to the new situation of being blind. I had to finish my street whereby I had to uh, sort of seek assistance like from people and then get uh, some information so that I can be able to finish my meeting. So eventually, Mr. Songyazo, I applied, I, I approached a Buffalo City College in East London in 2017, uh, wanting to do a NCV, which is a, a, a National Vocational Certificate Program that is equivalent to metric. But I couldn't go to a father school for the blind in Mtata. I couldn't go to Kanyisa school for the blind in, in, in PE because of the age uh, limit. Now I had to do my metric under under Tibet colleges uh, in 2018. So I approached the tier the Buffalo College. They couldn't uh, for, 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 for the enrollment they, in 2017 so that I can start there in 2018. They couldn't take me. I only wrote the cap test. When the time came for them to enroll me, they confirmed that they don't they don't have resources to cater for blind people. Now I had to re- I had to, I had a plan on my mind already, which is on for the college as Mr. Nike indicated. I I was fortunate to be given a, an opportunity at Mfolov Civil College to do the same uh, transport and logistics program. Uh with I, I was with this gentleman, Mr. Naki, together from 2018, as indicated, as he indicated, from 2018 till last year, we did the same program, but the chain wasn't easy, as Mr. Naki indicated, because I had to leave East London, and then I had to make sure that I travel with my mother for the past three years from 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 from, from East London to Mbangin, where our, our our school was is situated. So to have to spend some money on my on my own, out of my pocket. As, as as one person at home who's a breadwinner with my mother, I have to uh, sacrifice the money that I'm getting from my grant so that I I reach my school. Then along the way, even even there in that in that environment where I have to I have to adjust, familiarize myself with the new environment, uh, with the new colleague of 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 ours of mine that I was I was not familiar with. So even the, uh, the, the the education system is not is not the same in the public institutions compared to the institutions that are meant for us. I will go. I will. I will. I will make an example in the in terms of the 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 the, 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 the learning material. We we are being provided the same learning material that is being provided to students that are that that are non-disabled. Now we have to find ways and means of converting our books, which is the hard copies. To, to, to audiobooks so that we can start listening to those audiobooks. Even when we have to uh, do the assessments, that contributes to the uh, earmark, CASMAC, CASMAC by the end of the year. We have to seek assistance from our fellow brothers and sisters, other students who are cited. Then they have to, we have to give them something, we have to pay them for assisting us. So I think the past three years has been tough for us at all, Mr. Songers, if I may. I mean, here's one thing which, until you kept saying like three or four times you had to adjust to the environment, it suddenly dawned on me that your adjusting to the environment is not my adjusting to the environment. Every environment I'm ever in, I use all my senses, including that of eyesight. So the adjustment becomes more social than it becomes even just geographical. For you, it's geographical on fleek, given the fact that the inherent challenges to not having eyesight are that you have to use the tactile sense, where you 
feel and touch things. Now you are engaging in a completely different society, completely different language, completely different geography. It's like literally taking you back to when you first became blind as a matric pupil because their relocation effectively would be the same thing, Mustafa? Or have I got it wrong? Yes, if I may answer a question, Mr. Fungezo. And then we, I had to navigate around uh, the school premises myself because there are people that are meant to, to assist us that are called O&M facilitators, people that are training us to familiarize ourselves uh, on the new environment that we find ourselves in. So where to we be brave, where to be strong, where to be positive, uh, so that we can familiarize ourselves to know the the the, the 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 environment, like leaving the the, the, the residence to the classes, leaving the residence to 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 the dining hall where we are getting our meals, leaving the residence to our to to to, to, the, to the main gate. So navigating around wasn't easy, even inside the school premises, even interacting and building some friendships with other fellow students. As you know that we as people we are not the same in terms of the personalities. But uh, we're fortunate that uh, most of the students that we were with, uh, they were very uh, understanding. They were very helpful towards us as students who are physically blind. Yeah, Lutando, let me come back to you. I mean, in 2014, Minister Blade and Zamande had actually conceded at the time he was the Minister of Higher Education then, before he was moved, that there had not been an education policy to cater for the needs of students with disabilities. I understand in March 2018, four years on, there was a strategic policy framework on disability for the post-school education and training system. Again, it's, it's a strategic policy framework, not so much a policy, certainly not more than that. To the extent that you could advise the policy drafters and policy implementers just to make sure that we get the right conversation going so that we have the right policies in place, which hopefully will translate into proper implementation. What would you say are some of the critical ingredients that should inform such a policy? Uh, thanks again. Um, for me, if I may advise um, the policymakers, uh, I think uh, the policymakers are just drafting the policy and not monitoring whether it's working or not working because uh they they spoke about inclusivity but uh the inclusivity the inclusivity is not there because uh there's no as Lassidi has said there's no resources resources for people who are disabled in those the institutions that uh, are, are out there um also, they spoke about a certain percentage that must be employed uh, in all uh, institutions, institutions, private uh, and uh, uh, and government institutions. If uh, employ, they must employ uh, people with disabilities. If they may uh, maybe start from employing uh, people with disabilities uh, to the institutions so that people uh, that are working with those people mm. uh, can also get used uh, to them. Uh, I think it, it, those little things can uh, easily ease, ease ways 
for people who are not disabled to understand mm. uh, people with disabilities. Certainly. Um, and also doing um, monitor, or monitoring these, uh, pro- these uh, policies, whether they are working or not working, I think uh, that is a vital part which they are not doing as, as government. Mustafa, final comment from you. Thank you so much for your thoughts there, Mr. Lutando Nagi, transport and logistics graduate from Umfolozitivet College in KZN. His brother and colleague, Mr. Mustafa Lassiti, of the same institution, of the same qualification. How do we move on from here as the broader student core in making sure that an injury to one is indeed an injury to all in the higher education space? Okay, if I may ask a question, Mr. Fongezo, as I think my... My fellow, my fellow brother has said, has said it all. But on, 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 from my side, I would say, government has to has to do something. Has to do something. Has to monitor, not just to say that every citizen, every, every student, has a right to, to inclusive education. But they have to they have to monitor, and then try and then prevent uh, rejection for us from being. Reject from, rejected from being involved in the in the, in the social institutions. I think it's about time we are all we are all being being treated equally in the social institutions. Because now, I, I, I will I will consider the next generations that are still that are still have to seek assistance enrolling in the social institutions. They gonna go through the same hardships that we went through, as Mr. Nike indicated. So I will I will, I will I will I will I will make a plea to the government. To, 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 to try and then re, re-establish their, 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 their policy and, and ensuring that every citizen of this country has to, to access education. You know, Let's leave it there. Thank you so much, Mr. Mustafa Lassit, as well as Mr. Lutando Nagy, for your thoughts and perspectives. Thank you so much for owning your stories and the truth by which you delivered. We certainly do hope you the best in all your endeavors and that transport and logistics qualifications you both have will do much to improve the lives of many citizens, particularly from where you come from, the Eastern Cape and Danzani. Yeah, transport system in the Eastern Cape and related logistics, they certainly could do with your skills. 2133, good evening, everybody. Chat on Monday.